Okay. And are you monitoring the chat room to see if bad things happen? I have the chat room. He has the chat room. <laughs> we have it. Okay. And uh, what else? Well, this, this is a pun production fail from the beginning. Jason. Yeah, let me let me introduce everybody because this is a, this was a sort of a late. You got a little bit of a late start here today. Um, producer Alex is in an airport attempting to uh, orchestrate this whole thing via the chat room, um, which he's not doing. Uh, Jason Punyon has uh, replaced him as substitute producer, so we have substitute producer Punyon, um, who those of you watching the live video f- feed can see on the left. And and the way we do this show is there's two separate Skype channels to our two guests, um, Jeff Atwood, who many of you know, and Rory Blythe, who um, all of you know, uh, our special guest um, at Rory Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H. No E. You should get an E, Rory. I, I like it with an E. I don't need it. It would e. be classy. Those people are cowards. <laughs> okay. Oh, I need an extra E. I need an extra letter in my name to feel important. I don't need the E. Just e chopped off intentionally. No E. Okay. Yeah. E unnecessary. All righty. And, uh, and uh, those two people come to us from different Skypes, and, and due to a, a, a configuration error, they were both attempting to use the same port. And so uh, right. the calls weren't going through. But we have now corrected that error, and we are now live. Stack Exchange Podcast number 11. Special guest, Rory Blythe. Yay! Yay. So Yay. question immediately for Rory. So, so where, where are you now? Where, where are you um, physically? Uh, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm, uh, in, I just moved over the weekend, so I didn't do anything for the holiday. Um, well, I ate, actually, for the first time in several days, and I slept for the first time in several days. But otherwise, I... I moved over a very, very hot July weekend at the last minute because we got booted out of our house by the person who owns it. So I am in a house where things are a little bit mysterious. Uh, like I had a Skype meeting about an hour ago, and mm-hmm. it was mysteriously uh, c- compression-y, artifacty. And it turns out the Wi-Fi router is under a desk, and even though I was only 30 feet away... Um, it seems to have affected the bandwidth somewhat, and, uh, and so it was a, a Faraday, a Faraday desk, as as we call it. I don't know yeah, what that means just... because, unlike yeah. you, I'm ignorant, and I'm just lucky to have gotten where I did. It's like and, a radio. Uh, it's like a radio uh, obstruction device. Well, why didn't you just say that? I don't know. I like to Instead use technical terms. You look stupid. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, that's fair. question. So what what kind of housing arrangement is this? I get the feeling it's like a commune with about 14 people all straight out of Casting <laughs> Central on Portlandia. Um, actually, at the moment, uh, it's an empty house. That's that's how I got here. Is um, And I don't mean I'm squatting. I don't mean I took it over. I didn't break in. <laughs> but, um, but the but door was really open. The, <laughs> right. And, uh, but, and I deactivated the security device. And the, Well, this is mostly true. But they it were asking legal, for it because they were only using 40-bit encryption instead of 128-bit. It, it took a while. Yeah, I had to figure it Two out bit. before the cop. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, we all had to move out of our house. It was sort of a nerd house. There were a bunch of there were some devs living sharing this house in uh, in a fun part of town, and then the owner, who is not fun, uh, told us to leave. And wow, I was able to secure a room almost immediately with a good friend of mine, and then. At the last minute, the room became unsecured somehow, and I'm not exactly sure why. So, uh, plans changed at the very last minute, and uh, today's one of the first, I think, yeah, today's the first day I got more than about three hours of sleep. So, I'm coherent, right? Sort of. I'm rambling a little bit. Relatively. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. the caffeine, though. It's okay. Just, you can just carry the podcast. Vision. That's why we have you yeah. on. Well, I was going to ask, do you guys want to talk, too? No. No. 
No, it's okay. What, you just talk. Why don't you guys uh, talk? I'm gonna give you a chance. Well, I, I have another. I have another Rory-related question, and also have a, 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 a side notation to the previous conversation. The router That's under the desk. That's convenient because I'm the guest. Oh. Yeah, the the router under oh, the desk sorry, reminded me of this movie, um, Enemy of the State, which although it has Will Smith, doesn't suck. I know you're warrant. You're thinking it has Will Smith, so it's really gonna suck. But it, I found I like it to be Will quite Smith. good. Well, yeah, if you want to get jiggy, then Will Smith is your man. He's in that. It's a quite good movie, and it's sort of a spiritual sequel to this really good movie um, called The Conversation with, with uh, Gene Hackman. It's about surveillance, security, all that stuff. It's, it's really a, a very, very cool movie, and I just want to recommend those two movies while we were randomly talking about Faraday cages. Because, Joel, there is a Faraday cage in both of those movies. <laughs> if, you're, if you're like, what's a Faraday cage? It's just, just, just watch The Conversation. Just watch Enemy of the State, and you'll know what a Faraday – uh, cages, and then the other thing I was going to ask about is your online presence. Is wh- what's the status of uh, Neopolian and all that stuff? Oh yeah, it's all down. I'm trying to find Excel as a database. Yeah, very. I know all your so, awesome so, writing, man. What happened? Well, Neopolian. Uh, wow. Yeah, some some things happened uh, in my life regarding uh, a relationship, and then another relationship. They both went horribly shocked, wrong, shocked and I thought. <laughs> and, and and I thought I don't want to have one of these uh, uh, sites where I just go online and and it's a bunch of really emo dark black rose poetry <laughs> about just how miserable I am, and uh, I I kind of lost my motivation to to write and I also got caught up in in those situations where the person has to have every free minute or else you might make more friends outside the relationship, which would give you an escape route and that takes away their control. Or in other words, um, I was in what my shrink describes as two emotionally uh, and relationally abusive relationships and I was on the receiving end. And I can't believe I just told everybody that because it sure does make me sound like a wuss. But in my defense, they were hot. So, wait, makes people stupid, makes men stupid. I just had a pronoun error. Who was hot? I just, I just found, I just found something. I was searching for Neopolian because I was like, okay, what happened to Rory's site? Yeah. There's a YouTube video called "Really, Really, Really Old Neopolian Movie," and Rory, it's you removing a T-shirt. It was uploaded in 2008. It's like, it's just like you doing the Incredible Hulk thing with a T-shirt, and I don't know how that's supposed to be an ad for your site, but uh, whatever it is, I want to buy like 50 of it. I don't know even know what it is. Well, it's free, but if you want to, if you want to buy it, we can work something out. Um, you already have access to it, but I could. We could put. It I don't on know how we can undo it. I could tape for you or something. I could burn your eyes Good. and I could zap your brain and it's okay. Remove your our eyes consider our eyes burned. <laughs> there's like there's all these like random artifacts in like, my Mickey and uh, induce nope. integrate amnesia. No, we're in three um, completely well, different states right now. Oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. You can't even drug the person you're co-hosting the show with. This is absolutely <laughs> unprofessional. Carl and I never had this problem on .NET Rocks. You, so um, uh, Rory used to be a host on .NET Rocks, which is our competition in the podcast department, which is why we had you on here, because it's like, yay, we won. <laughs> take that, Carl Franklin, or whatever his name is. And, yeah, uh, take that, Carl Franklin. And, and you we'll had moved you. for a time to the New London, Connecticut, in order to be on a podcast or something. Right? Yes. Yes, I did. First of all, New London. Uh, you know, come on. <laughs> Secondly, obviously Skype works fine. Well, in my defense, it was 2004 and Skype wasn't all that great. And my USB headset was, in fact, doing that thing without <laughs> cessation, with no solution, where it was automatically adjusting the volume and, and driving us crazy. And 
I liked the idea. I, I wanted to establish a better rapport with Carl, and yeah. so one day, sleeping on his couch sounded like a perfect way to do that. Well, actually, I slept under the futon for a little while, and that's a different story. But and I also hid under there during the day for a little while. That's part of the same story. But getting out there, it was about a one-day decision. Um, I remember uh, uh, just getting the email, hey, you want to move out here? And then sending back the, okay. And all of a sudden, my car was on a truck uh, <laughs> with a very dodgy person. I thought, I'm never going to see that car again, um, no. but I am going to see a bill. And that's like, they you know, that's like a They charged you like $2,000 to move your car across country on a truck. It was something like that. Yeah. 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 And uh, it arrives, and it, it was the new it, it was the new London winter, so there was ice all over the car, icicles hanging from the mirrors. I wasn't able to. The guy just dumped it <laughs> on a hill intentionally, just for fun, and uh, and so I had to leave it there until the winter uh, subsided. Well, he knew that the battery that. would be dead by the end of the winter, and you'd be lucky that it was on a hill. So at least you could roll it down the hill and get it started without a battery. Really so backward? actually, he was doing you a favor. <laughs> Oh no no no! You have to understand. This this was 2004, right? And uh, and I was a smarmy little punk with this custom mini that had all the perfect little paint job matching bits. It was the most obnoxious car ever. And I bought another one that's even more obnoxious and better. Um, Tell us about but, uh, your current car, already. <laughs> Let's jump ahead well, because we already talked a, about this yeah, once no, on the previous no, I'm curious. podcast. I'm curious. Do you remember well, it's, that? It's a, wow. We talked. It's, we it's, definitely it's talked mini- about his new London adventures on the first it, Rory yeah, Life it, podcast. Overall, really, it was fun. I mean, it was good. I went out there, and uh, uh, Carl is an amazing guy. I would watch him work until six o'clock in the morning to get Donut Rocks going. He really, really, really did it too. Writing his custom software because at the time Skype ended up not being sufficient. Um, so this is sort of a crazy time, and, and the word podcast was just starting to get thrown around by uh, Tim Curry, I think, and, and Dave Adam. Weiner. And, uh, Adam Curry. And there was the... F- Adam, Adam Curry. Curry. Yeah, sorry, Tim Curry. <laughs> Adam, Tim Curry Adam, Adam Curry. VJ. Um, I knew that. <laughs> testing you guys, testing the connection. Everything's working <laughs> yeah. fine, all right? I'm not stupid? Okay. So they were just starting to kind of fight about enclosures and it was another uh, uh, it was another war over RSS and enclosures and who invented it and and people <laughs> were still using the word Netscape combined with navigator and um, and what, what, what and was, was crazy Netscape time, exactly so. I forget Netscape was something that allowed you to go see an animated GIF on the HTML web internet oh. at the time, which was being sent to you <laughs> you're over. Just throwing around a lot of, you're just throwing a lot of buzzwords around, aren't you? All right, you're funding. Using the X modem protocol. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. Fine, you can have fun. You don't here. No, fine. no, I'm buying into fine. your business plan right now, as long I as I can see animated GIFs on the, on the internet web. I hated the web when I first saw it at Symantec. When I was about 16, I had I had all these older friends who worked at these, who worked at Intel and Symantec because the Northwest was sort of a technological hotbed. Yeah. And I got to see these things before they came out, right? Like I saw Mosaic when it was still this top secret thing and, uh, and this high level guy at Symantec was like, check this out. And he goes to an address and this image line by line comes onto the screen and it's like a 16 color uh, I don't even know what file format it was of 
a very poorly drawn sun rising, probably done in paint. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm, this thing is never going to catch on. That's no. the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, But it was neat. Those were the days. Do we want to talk right. about modern times? I'm, I'll let you guys yes, lead the do. interview. It's weird because I used to be an interviewer. So uh, Why don't you interview us? Ones. I mean, it's our show. Damn it. No. Well, well, before we, well, yeah, actually, before we, we get started with yeah. that, I, I did want to mention that, first of all, 2004 is pre-LOLCAT, so, you know, nothing really counts back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I'm curious, <laughs> Roy, what you've been up to, like, you know, work-wise, you know, because I know okay. the last time I saw you, the last time I saw you, and it's been a while, I know you're you're a busy guy, you're doing lots of stuff. Last time I saw you was back at Stack Overflow Dev Days, and gosh, what was that, 2009, Joel? Is that right? And that Roy was, was yes. you know, you, you were heavily In into In the iPhone year four of the LOLCAT. Year four, year four of the lolcat. We should rebuild the calendar. That's a very good point. It's pre lolcat. Who even cares what happened then? But you were heavily into iPhone development. Is that still your jam? Or is that still what you're doing? Or like, what's going on? With Absolutely, you? completely. Yeah. Um. Um. I love. Uh, uh. I love doing iPhone development, iPad development, and in part, and I said this during the talks because it's a little bit painful. Even now, it's a little bit painful. Um. It, it, there have been a lot of changes, right, since 2009. Things have gotten a lot better. And More all the cats. really clever hacks. And, and, and for other things, for other things too, right? But, 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 uh, but things have gotten a lot better. A lot of the really cool hacks we figured out have been replaced by uh, real APIs. And, of course, that makes nerds upset because we worked hard to fake all that stuff. So whatever, took away some of the glory. But Monotouch, which recently... Uh, uh, was set loose by the whole I don't know if you heard about the Novell thing um, are you mainly lolcat focused or is the, no we use some Microsoft we do some, um, we do some non-lolcat activities okay. we try to limit them <laughs> like a few hours a day so the Novell but, thing no, is there that, might be like a yeah there, there, there might be a sad lolcat out there I'm sorry I was just about to actually state a, a fact um, I know it doesn't fit in the context of this podcast at all, but the fact that I was going to state was that Mono, which is a development of Miguel de Caza, and uh, uh, used to be owned by Novell, which was a little bit random, uh, but I guess that's what that was. And then Novell sort of imploded even more than they had imploded the first time they imploded, and they ended up spinning off Mono, and, and now it is uh, Zamora something. Zamarin. Zamarin. All right. It's- it's Xamarin, yeah. And sa- that sounds like a really it. bad pronunciation. Smart the, the company was originally called Zimian, so that sounds like yeah. sort of that's like that only you know somebody's punched them in the face and they can't pronounce Zimian, so they say. Zimian. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that there are some you know there are some branding issues in there, and uh, 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 I was thinking the exact same thing about Zimian. I wasn't thinking about the punch in the face thing, um, Zam- but or registered is it still uh, as an, an option yes. to consider. X A M Zammer. So, Rory, are you using which one are you using now? Because Monotouch is still around, right? That's a product of some other company now. Like, there's basically a, Monotouch, a split. Yeah, Monotouch no? still exists. Yeah, um, and, it's and a product I can of still Xamarin. use it. And uh, sort of, Xamarin Studio is coming out, and it's going to be compatible with Monotouch in every way. And according to the site, and this isn't secret information or anything, they're hoping to get. Uh, a product released around the summer. So there's a very short gap. And if you look at how they did it, again, like these guys are geniuses. It freaks me out. It, it, it makes sense of, of why it is that uh, in 2003 at the PDC, I was on top of a, of a hotel at a party with Scott Hanselman, 
um, he sort of snuck me in. And uh, by sort of, I mean he snuck me in. And I was sitting there stuffing sushi into my pockets because uh, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And, and I was watching while Don Box serenaded Miguel <laughs> for maybe the 50th time, literally serenaded him. Uh, Don was there with a band, and they, they were so, so, so dying to get Miguel to come over to Microsoft, but Miguel resisted. And I don't know if it's because he has all these amazing skills and these amazing teams and friends that he's able to uh, go where he wants and call his shots. But in this case, you have Monotouch, which of course is, is actually, when I say of course, that probably suggests that I'm overly familiar with it because I wrote part of a book on it and, um, and have spent a lot of time in it. Do, the, do you think the listeners need to know what Monotouch is? If they, do, do they know what it is, do you think? Um, well, we could do the two-paragraph description of it. Or I mean, one sentence, if you go to which Mono- is two paragraphs long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, Monotouch is development in um, C-sharp, right? Isn't that the correct summary? It lets you develop using C-sharp and the .NET libraries, kind of, in, on one platform and have it run on um, iOS, which is the fancy word for iPhone that the developers use, because if they just said iPhone, they would feel like they were stupid. Android and Windows Phone. Oh, um, um, it, iOS, Joel, does refer to iPod, iPhone, and iPad, and i whatever. Yeah, else I'm sure this is there. the kind of thing that programmers care about. So anyway, so you can get your thing run, running on the iPhone. You can uh, get it running on Android, Windows Phone, etc., and write it in, in the lovely um, C-sharp. Um, and in fact, Mono, it's called Mono Touch, but it started out as Mono, and Mono was just a complete implementation of C-sharp in the .NET class libraries for uh, Unix or for Linux or for whatever. It was portable. And uh, um, one thing they did abandon recently is uh, ASP.NET, the implementation of ASP.NET that they had. So for a long time, you could write nice ASP.NET apps in C-sharp and run them on Linux using uh, Mono. And that is now, I mean, it's open source, so it's not going anywhere, but that is no longer something that they care about. There's, there's a lot of hatred for ASP.NET out there. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of demand for ASP.NET on Unix, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and even on the Microsoft side, you get people who are kind <laughs> of unhappy about it. And, and me, I just, I, I really, I've become pretty technologically agnostic. I just, I like the stuff that's going to allow me to get my work done. Um, so with Neapolian.com, I was all about uh, working with Community Server because it was written in C Sharp and I could go in and modify it. And for the new site, uh, which isn't exactly up, but people are visiting it anyway, which is Rory.me. Um, much easier to remember, much easier to spell than Neapolian.com. Oh, I'm all over uh, it. So instead Rory.me. Of saying, yeah, N-E-O-P-O-L-E-O-N.com, I don't have to do that anymore. It's just Rory.me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just this the WordPress site. a front page site? site? And oh, WordPress. It's, it's, it's WordPress. It's WordPress. And, I, and it has some nice stuff going on behind the scenes. I just haven't gotten the site going yet. Um, when you're moving, when you're, uh, I moved seven times last year. Uh, it's very complex. I'll just sum it up as where I disappeared off to was I was going to start a family. Um, like that is what was going to happen. It was another one of these where I might get married and yeah. we were talking about starting a family. And so you had to find a I jurisdiction to that. You had to find some jurisdiction to move to in which that was treated laxly by the authorities to so go ahead. Fine. You can. I wouldn't find my writing and uh, I'd be like, yeah, so, uh, uh, (laughs) um, and that failed completely. And, uh, 
and then the site springs up and I'm starting to get back into at least the community side. Uh, the work didn't go away. I was able to do work as I pleased, which is such a cocky, stupid thing to say, but but I was I, I was doing work as I pleased and taking the jobs that were interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, But I was keeping quiet about it. I've kept very quiet about it. And I'm done keeping quiet about it. I want to get back into this. So, so you got Monotouch, um, which I just adore. And and even though uh, Monotouch is has officially as a product gone away, there's also Mono for Mac. And over the past, I'm not sure how long it's been going on. They've been building this this nice native uh, version of Mono for Mac that has that has Cocoa bindings. Cocoa being uh, the Objective C framework that Apple devs would use to write their apps, and it's very similar to the technology behind Monotouch. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, and I don't want to speculate. I don't know what issues might arise from this, but it seems like a lot of that code can be reused to uh, to create a new version of uh, of not Monotouch, but of something that is source and and whatnot compatible. And of course, since Monotouch ultimately spits out native binaries, that's the only way to run anything on an iOS device anyway. Um, it, it doesn't. It, it's only gonna. You're only gonna have to worry about source compatibility, but. It's all there, and it's all going to work. And they can pull bits and pieces from uh, uh, the open source side, right? Things that Novell didn't own. It was genius, absolutely genius. I, I get I get goosebumps when I think about it, and uh, and that's one of the ways I think they're going to be able to bring this product out so quickly. And you can drop um, .NET uh, libraries in, like frameworks, much more easily than I think people realize. It's it, a lot of the arguments that I've seen are about, okay, monotouch. Does this just mean that I'm going to be working with uh, Cocoa through um, with C Sharp? Because that's, that's stupid. That's not worth it. A, it's not stupid. B, it is worth it because you write half as much code. Less than that even. Header files are gone. You don't have to do all your uh, manual memory management. Not that difficult in Objective-C since it's just refer- reference counting. But at the same time, it takes away so much overhead. Yeah. It saves you so much time. It really is worth it. And and when you can go out and grab a .NET library that's been sitting there for ages, that's going to let you tie into Facebook or this book or my face or whatever it is that's out there nowadays, you save a lot of time because on the Objective-C side of things, even this far into it, because Joel, like, it was, okay, so it was 2009 when I was giving those talks for you guys. Yeah. Things haven't changed much on the mentality side. You don't see a lot of frameworks for um, iOS written in Objective-C. What are uh, they? What are they keep, written in? Nothing. Well, they're written in like Objective C, but the frameworks, right? Yeah. So, so people are just discovering REST, and they have these extraordinarily complex, cumbersome, terrible, horrible. I'm sorry if somebody listening to this is one of the people <laughs> who wrote one of those. I won't name any by name, but they yeah. are terrible. Yeah. And we're talking about what? Sending a stupid request and getting some information back. Yeah. Um, and you ask yourself, would it be easier to just? I don't know, use a URL request. And then you get into the problems of um, sending a synchronous uh, request. And it's just, it's mind-bogglingly, I don't want to say stupid, because that's going to offend everybody, but I just did in a way. So it's stupid. Yeah. And um, you go back to Monotouch, and bam, you've got access to all these existing libraries, and you drop them in. A lot of them don't need to be modified that much. Uh, You'll have access to Dropbox. have access to uh, to to S three to all sorts of cloud services. 
Um, I don't know why I have to mock all the terms that are in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> that are in the industry I've chosen to work in. But so um, basically, if you're using Monotouch instead of using the native dev tools, the advantages are that you can use C Sharp, that you can use any of the libraries that have been written for .NET to access the things that they can access, uh, and that your code can run on Android and and uh, Windows Phone eventually um, without having to rewrite a lot of it. And if you use Objective-C, yeah. the advantages are that you're using an obsolete primitive language uh, <laughs> from like a million years ago. Well, it's objective. <laughs> that's good. It is objective. That's right. Jason points out that it's objective. A- and that you're using the official, you know, Apple-blessed language. And I think there are some people who would never, ever, 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 ever dream of using something that Apple hadn't ordained as the official Apple holiness just because you know that's who they are they, these it's are the people with x serves these are the people that built a dot com and they put a rack of x serves <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a data center somewhere which they are now regretting it, their website was done with uh, what was that thing that they just canceled that came with a macintosh of, no it was a free make your homepage for the web Oh, front yeah, page Mac clone me or Mac yeah. I or iMac me, mobile web, me, you web me, I making me. Yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, web that, that was like a million dollars a year and uh, pretty much put up a Zanga site for you. And yeah, no good. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and there were people that used that just because it was the official Apple holiness. And there's a certain number of the developers on the Mac platform who you know are like, well, I want to use the the real official thing, not some. Crappy. Well, there is a there is one reason to do it. I don't know how valid it is, Roy, but I actually found a Stack Overflow question asking, "How big is an Objective C iPhone app versus a Mono Touch app?" Now, this is from two, this is from Dev Day's era, actually September eighteenth, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. But he's saying here that you know Objective C you can do Hello World in fifty kilobytes. Not that this necessarily matters. I'm just pointing out that there's a runtime. Yeah. So in Mono Touch, the runtime would be basically five megabytes, which is not a deal breaker, particularly now. I mean. You know, networks only get faster, phones only get more powerful. So, and the other advantage is, I don't know, Roy, if you've done any, um, I mean, Android is really catching up in some ways, finally, at least in terms of like the, on some devices, there's still fragmentation, but the experience is getting to be similar to the iPhone. Um, and with, if you develop in Mono or Xamarin, whatever, uh, the name is very confusing now, by the way. <laughs> uh, Xamarin. You could in theory, Xamarin Studio. Xamarin Studio. Xamarin Studio. Thank you. Xamarin Studio. Thank you. Uh, you could, in theory, I'm develop punch you an in app. The face and, the next time I see you. Sorry. And then I'll be able to say it. Thank you. And I'll thank you. I'll be like, thanks. <laughs> now I can say this name. I couldn't say it before. Uh, but at least then you could, in theory, you know, A, use a nice development environment. I mean, C Sharp has, you know, like you said, it's less work, which is awesome. And then you also get uh, the ability, in theory, to deploy to two different, you know, audiences. And, you know, I mean, make money or sell your app or at least have it dispersed to as many users as possible which to me as a programmer that's sort of the goal is to build software that somebody's using somewhere so the more devices you can target as long as you're not compromising experience that seems like a good idea um now a question for you have you done a lot of ipad development um since ipad came out or are you just strictly iphone no no i've done ipad development but it it feels like a different world, but before I go on to that, I've got to address something, which is uh, a that there is no runtime for Monotouch. Um, what? It, Wait, it, they have a linker? Yeah. There's no runtime. 
No, there's no way that Apple would let that uh, pass. The reason that the binaries oh, were so large. Oh, but it just large. gets all. Oh, right, right. It all gets all glommed together. But you you are bringing yes, in but, all kinds of libraries that you're not using. So the minute you use a string class, you get all these string functions and. That's the way it whether was. Or not you use but them. they've optimized it. They've done a lot of optimization. So it's to the point now that. Uh, I don't know what the current size of Hello World is, but it is so much smaller that all those uh, discussions from the past have become irrelevant. Um, so they really they got the product out, uh, and very quickly, I might add, impressively, suspiciously quickly, um, <laughs> brilliantly. And then, uh, uh, of course, they optimized after the fact, um, which, of course, we all know is the right way to do it. And, and they did manage to cut down um, the size of Hello World and the size of real apps as well and there's no performance hit there's no problem at all and uh, the only runtime that you deal with is the Objective-C runtime it's exposed uh, as a as well through the through the uh, bindings to Cocoa Touch so and that's something you have to deal with on the Objective-C side as well it's difficult to write a complex app without at some point at least looking at the Objective-C runtime. You might not code against it, but it helps to understand it. Mm -hmm. And there have been times when having access to that has been useful, but there is no .NET runtime on that side. And Apple would have killed it if uh, if it were any other way. They very nearly course, killed it just by mistake, inadvertently, in attempting to kill Flash. They passed some kind of law that said that you cannot think in any programming language other than Objective-C <laughs> uh, if you're going to make a, a, an iOS application. And, and then they had to sort of backtrack a little bit and said, oh, no, we're only talking about Flash. Well, yeah, and if you look at the time frame, um, I, I, I Twittered, I tweeted, I, I whatevered. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like this. And boom, everything got rolled back. Oh, so pretty awesome. Yeah. Everybody. Um, I'm taking credit for that. No sure. evidence whatsoever. Just a coincidence. And it didn't even happen that way at all. I'm lying, too. What? Uh, How did it happen? So, anyway. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think a lot of people just complained. Because yeah, there was, was a lot of complaints. Complaint they basically said yeah. the original language in which your app is written has to be Objective-C, meaning you couldn't even write it in some language, some clever language you came up with that compiled into Objective-C. That was too much of a workaround for them. Everybody's saying, you know, the original language it was written in was like thought in my head, you know. That's not, this is a ridiculous restriction, and it doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. And, and it Fascism, was, it's called. Fascism, yeah. And it was just, in a, it was just sort of a, attempting to use an elephant gun to, to eliminate the possibility that people would cross-compile their Flash applications into Objective-C, right? Because that's what Adobe was doing, is giving them an Objective-C mm -hmm. output to their Flash app so that they could, you, you had a chance of getting your Flash ported to the to the iOS. Yeah, what was the and, final? Uh, and, and I remember that, Apple's but I don't remember credit. the final. Oh, sorry. Go what? ahead. I, I was just trying to remember, like, what was the outcome of that? I don't remember. Like, what's the current state of that? Like, Yeah, the current state is that they, they said it's fine for mono. And but uh, not for... Yeah, uh, Unity was the other one, right? Unity is, like, what all the app games are written in. Yeah, Unity definitely set a precedent. Um and uh, uh, it, it demonstrated because there is Unity and Monotouch to share um, some common technology. And Unity demonstrated that, hey, this is not a problem at all. And there were so many Unity apps in the store that by the time I think anybody at Apple even realized that this was not being done with Objective-C. And, and I don't even know if I'm exaggerating because mm -hmm. at the time that Unity came out, there were so few people working in the Apple store 
reviewing apps um, that uh, that it's entirely possible they really had no idea what was going on outside of Appleville. Um, <laughs> as you pointed out, Apple people tend not to look too far from the <laughs> mothership of all motherships, right? <laughs> the ship's bigger than your mothership and wears a turtleneck and it's better. And, yeah. uh, which is, which, who's worse yes. at that, Microsoft or Apple? At just Apple? sort of assuming that the kidding? whole world... Okay. Oh, oh, Apple. Yeah. <laughs> so much worse. See, see... You were you were talking about uh, about Apple people not even willing to uh, to, to try to use uh, uh, any other kind of a system, but they won't. Well, actually, that's not exactly what you said. And that's what I was thinking. Um, they will argue with you night and day about mm -hmm. Objective C versus Monotouch without a single technical argument. And you finally realize there's one yeah. question you need to ask: Have you ever used anything else? Well, no. And uh, <laughs> uh, and of course the answer is, um, and I wouldn't. Because, and I don't have to, uh, you know. I don't have to yeah, take heroin to know that it's not. It's bad for you. And they'll, and they'll say things like this, like, well, I don't need to because Objective C has um, property declarations." I'm like, "Oh my god!" You know, it's, it, they say things like that, and they don't I love know. These straw men we're setting up and <laughs> punching them in the face. But All right. This, no, this is true though. This is true. Um, <laughs> this this actually happened. So Monotouch much more efficient now. There's no runtime to have to worry about, and uh, and ultimately we are allowed to 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 use these other development technologies. What Apple is really worried about is abstraction layers and genuine abstraction layers. Um, they don't want somebody to make an app that you run on the iPhone that lets you run other apps, among other things. That's the example, kind of runtime they hate because you could then get around the app store and you could have people selling things inside your app. Um, not that it would be a great user experience, but uh, they they just want to ensure that there is zero competition for the well, app store. But also, that that's why, well, originally, believe it or not, um, the iPhone, uh, when it came out, uh, they didn't want devs to be able to write native apps. They didn't want devs to be able to do their own thing because they saw that as competition with their own apps. So they have moved that, extended that a little bit, given us some leeway in allowing us to make our own apps for the phone. But um, uh, uh, yeah, they can oh, only man. do certain things. Sorry. Yeah, my oh yeah yeah, and my sleep deprived brain just uh, just brought me back to where I need to be um, after derailing me. So. What they're really worried about is you mentioned the word experience, and that's where Apple's fascism is perfectly acceptable. You look at mm -hmm. uh, Apple's stack, they own the hardware, they own the software, they own everything, and then you look at where else in the industry this has been done, and, well, say the Xbox 360, that's a great product. When you go fascist on your product, you win. You build something beautiful and amazing and wonderful. I love the Xbox 360 and everything that happened with it. But then you look at Windows Mobile, mm -hmm. which was deployed on every single device in the world from like a, a fuzzy logic-based semi-intelligent <laughs> broom to uh, your microwave and PDAs <laughs> of every shape and form. Like a witch's broom that you hey. fly around on or just a regular broom for sweeping the house? Well, that's, you know how Microsoft is. The R&D yeah. department does amazing things and never see the light of day. There probably is a witch's broom, so don't knock it. Running. <laughs> and I bet it's really nice. Yeah, but but it's running, uh, what was that thing called? Uh, Windows at work? Remember that? Um, Nobody, nobody's when, old when, enough. No, Sorry. it's not that. It's when we get into branding. It was a version um, of Windows CE for Xerox machines, typewriters, uh, electric typewriters, Xerox machines. Um, you know, that was Windows... Windows yeah, that was Windows NT embedded um, eventually. Nope. Uh, uh, this was Windows you... CE, a special version for, and it could 
degrade the experience was allowed to degrade all the way down to a two by eight character LED matrix. So okay, I was the wrong. smallest <laughs> it was called Windows at Work and it was WinCE based and I don't think it had an NT core. I'm almost certain this was I don't remember what the core was. Like what the what the uh uh, chat room, chat room. Does anybody remember what Windows CE was based on? I mean, it was way before. Uh, um, I mean, NT it was out, own, but I mean, this was supposed to run on like Timex watches and stuff. It had its own kernel, I think, from the yeah, uh, perhaps from the start. And uh, and but there, but there was Windows NT embedded, and I think that maybe that's the one that was used for things like kiosks, um, and yeah. uh, and also for highly customized devices that were going to provide you with a native Windows experience. That was the one where you had. Uh, the ability to customize what components were going to be uh, shipped right. with your system. Right, you could system. choose so a bunch of pieces yeah. that you could turn on and off. There's but some you're really limited to stuff x86. There. Yeah, uh, the and, pro- the, uh, and then the Windows big- C is... Oh, I'm sorry. I think the problem that happened I with mobile development for all these years is that people writing operating systems looked at the mobile devices that were out there, and they said, you know, different ones had different numbers of buttons, and they keep adding uh, buttons... And, uh, and and they have different size screens and they have different resolution screens and we need to make something that works on all of those devices. And the trouble is, as an application developer, you can't write an application for, you know, like a Motorola Razor phone with two buttons and a smart menu and, you know, a quarter VGA screen and give it the same user experience as you would have on like a Retina display, iPhone class, you know, whatever it is, 960 by 480. Um, you just can't have the same experience. It's just—it's not possible. It's you know, one of them has swipes. Well, you can. One doesn't have swipes. But it's going to be the Motorola experience on the iPhone. Yeah, and that's not going to work. So you have to do both. <laughs> and the, the 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 problem is that like Microsoft kept thinking, oh my god, like how do I make a standard thing that runs on all these devices? Like they were, and so mm-hmm. did it's not. They were the only ones. J2ME had the same problem, and mm-hmm. Symbian had the same problem. And essentially, if you wanted to write something that ran on one device, you could. And you could possibly port it to a class of of devices, but uh, you, you couldn't get uh, um, you know you, could, you you wouldn't get the, the same experience. And and what Apple has done successfully with iPhone is even when they increase the resolution of the display, they somehow manage to make it exactly twice the size as the old display, you know, in the same physical size approximately. So even if you didn't upgrade your code to use the Retina display, it still looked decent. Oh, it looks lovely. Yeah. And, and it's another example the, of fascism yeah. succeeding. Well, Whoa. it was just they finally said, look, there's going to be one standard for this hardware so that developers don't have a moving target and they don't have to port things. There was, this, there was this nice little company in Connecticut. I can't remember their name. But they made, you know, like Pocket Excel and Pocket Word and Pocket Mail programs um, for, for phones. And they had like nine billion versions of everything and they all had like one little mm-hmm. bug on this particular phone and that's all they did all day is port their applications to eight million different little phones. Well, yeah, and if you, if you look at how it works as well, they, they didn't just have to port it to the different phones, but the different phones that were sold at the same time from the same manufacturers had slightly different versions of not exactly J2ME, right? right? Everybody had to have their own <laughs> slightly customized implementation of something that was Java-like. Yeah. And uh, uh, so you, you had to write, I don't think people realize the degree to which you had to write for a device that might be owned by 20 people who got it as the free phone uh, <laughs> in Korea the day that it yeah. came out and then was disposed of. And uh, uh, 
And on the on the Windows side of things, uh, you ended up with the problem of Microsoft seeing the PDA market as similar to the desktop market, and let's just license this software to all these people. Right. And because I think they were giving it away for free, and then eventually it was like seven dollars a pop, something like that. I don't know if I just violated an NDA, but it was it it wasn't expensive, and uh, uh, they tried to impose some requirements. But you had companies cutting corners, and I'm really not going to name the companies that did that. But they were terrible experiences. Um, All of them uh, were terrible in, in the early Windows days. Windows CE. Well, yeah. When Windows CE became Pocket PC and then mm -hmm. became Windows Mobile, Microsoft was starting to get into the area of here are the requirements and here's what it has to do. And that was right around about the time that uh, Scoble was promoting the SMT 5600 phone, which was a great phone. It was the first great Windows mobile phone and it led to the creation of so many different devices with so many different form factors, so many different features. I had an iMate Jam Jar, Jazz Jar, it was sort of like the Star Wars character's name. It was stupid. Jar Jar. But it was from Europe. Yeah, Jar Jar, but it was there called a, not Jar Jar, a Jazz Jar. The yes. thing was like $1,200. <laughs> That's really And I don't know cool. how I got it. I don't know what I paid for it, but I think I got it in 2003 or 2000 for it, it was a while back and it had a 3g um uh connection it had a camera in the front a camera in the back it had a it had a really nice keyboard it had quite a bit of space for storage at the time yep had a hefty cpu and start great menu. battery life this, the windows the windows start menu that you could click on and with your stylus yeah <laughs> it, it, it did but the thing in a lot there of ways there was a registry editor you could run reg edit that's true, but it was in a lot of ways like the iPhone, um, the mm -hmm. iPhone four. In fact, camera in the front, camera in the back, uh, being able to yeah, make but these it didn't have swipey swipe, and it was unusable by anybody except us. Well, geeks. Uh, okay, you got me there. Yeah, all right, I'll concede that. But uh, but yeah, the last time that I was anywhere near a Windows Mobile project. Uh, it was one where the code itself was beautiful. The application was sound, and it's in use. But the company that uh, contracted the services of the software developers had gone out and purchased nine million boxes of a particular uh, pocket PC device or Windows Mobile device, whatever you want to call them. And the one problem is that company cut corners on the graphics chipset. So this wonderful code that ran beautifully on other devices was just chunking along on that screen. And the reason that I have said all of this at length um, to try to give people a history and context is that whatever anybody says to me about Android, unless Google changes its approach, it's just going to go the Windows Mobile route. And I've been saying that for, for several years. And people argue with me. I go to user groups. And people I love, friends, people I've known for years, and I really do love them. I love you guys. I really do. But you show me a stack of devices. Uh, some of them have a you know, 4.3. Uh, some of them have a 16.9 uh, ratio screen. Uh, some of them have like a giant D-pad on the side. A lot of them don't. Y you really, they, they still haven't nailed down just exactly what needs to be in place. There, I think there's, uh, a, uh, there's a big a this, experience. There appears to be like some debate going on inside Google as to whether they want to be like Windows in the 90s where mm -hmm. by making the open platform that people can do whatever the heck they want with, you know, a thousand flowers bloom, including some that make somebody very successful, or do they want to follow the Apple route where there's exactly one version of everything and they control it very, very, very strictly. But I think in the case of Android, it's, it's hard to argue that, well, it's easy to argue, I guess. You know, Windows was 
quite successful with this idea of everybody makes their own hardware and there's a certain minimum requirement but then you know you try to add new interesting hardware features and that's how you compete i think that like in the in the apple world in the iphone world you know we got a front and a back camera eventually but there's not that much competition and and so you don't have anybody competing against each other in the way that they are in the Android marketplace. Well, you're competing That's with true, Apple. That's true, and I'm, I'm guessing that everybody's guess, competing with Apple. Just, yeah, yeah, and and Apple is setting the standard because Apple's able to provide a unique, uh, sorry, a consistent experience across devices. They're doing almost in a way what Microsoft did with the desktop in the '80s, which is, hey, we're gonna we're gonna provide uh, backward compatibility. Um, well, let's just say for the next decade. Except that Apple's better about deprecating things, and uh, and so they are bringing users with older hardware forward and managing to somehow, like you said, with a Retina display, which is you were wrong. It's like 1.2 million pixels by 600,000, whatever it is. Yeah. It does look great when you're running an old iPhone app, and and, yeah. and and they do this stuff beautifully. So they do a great job of it. So their fascism is acceptable, and Google. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's the really, Dubai really... model of the world. It's like, yeah, there's like a million people here that don't have the right to vote, but but you know the skyscrapers are really tall. Yeah, I feel like it's like Hitler had a great health insurance plan. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that was brilliant, and um, and uh, uh, sort of scary to hear at the same time. Um, kind of. Um, well, I'm sitting here sort of shocked and stringy. Uh, my whole body went limp, um, both from being uh. impressed and. Uh, being creeped out. So we need a uh, um, yeah an insight from Punyon button we can press. <laughs> theme song. Well, well, I I did like it. I loved it. But Google, if you look at what Google's been doing, they aren't content with just being the universe's most amazing uh, uh, search engine company. They mm -hmm. they do have a legitimate reason for getting into alternative energy, right? Because right now what are they using? It's something like one to two percent. And that's a huge, uh, that's a huge range. I hate using one to two percent of the nation's energy, right? Just to power Google. Did you guys know about this? Think how much less it is than if they were using Ruby. <laughs> Just be thankful that most of those programmers are running compiled C plus plus code and not, you know, some kind of interpreted jibba jabba. Um I'm happy about that, and I'm happy about their legitimate interest in alternative energy. But they have, they do tend to stray into areas where, I don't want to say where they shouldn't be, mm -hmm. but it's they're gonna they're gonna end up like Microsoft, where Microsoft is weighed down by all these products from the past, um, and I think that's one of the reasons, of course, they don't split up, right? Because the mobile division, the entertainment division, they they look great. But then on the other side, you've got Microsoft Bob, and you've got all the other things that we've forgotten about um, that aren't making a lot of money. Um, right. In fact, just between you and me, I think they might be losing money sometimes on those products. And uh, uh, I could see that happening with Google. With, with those Fridays that started out as so creative and so neat, it's almost like they sprouted into this Google empire that is going to take over the universe and, and be 10 times eviler than Microsoft ever was. And uh, they're going to—they're going to make us all take that Google Aptitude test and kill the people who don't get a high enough score. Like they really are branching out in areas that I think are not such a great idea. Mobile being one of them. Okay. Speaking of branching out, nice segue there. Um, we have now reached the end of the fourth sentence that Rory 
has, has spoken <laughs> today, and I think it's a good moment to <laughs> see if we have any other t- topics to talk about. Jason says we have 10 more minutes. Jeff, do we have any Stack, stack Exchange Network news we want to talk about this week, or should we just should we go for one more sentence from Rory? Um, well, there was some one thing that was related to the, the conversation that Rory brought up, which was I was on this Stack Overflow question. Uh, gosh, the number's really long, so I'm just going to give you a tell. How big is an Objective-C iPhone app versus a MonoTouch app? Right. And this is from 2009, okay? So when we started... <clears throat> I think Apple has this too, where you, when you start from scratch, like kind of iPhone, they, they rebooted, they started from scratch, yeah. and everybody's marveling at how like consistent the experience is. Well, this is the beginning. Everything's consistent at the beginning because there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> there's nothing to be inconsistent um, with. Yeah, there's nothing to be inconsistent with, but now there's the iPad, and yeah. there's a, as Rory pointed out, that's a whole different world. And the way we look at the iPad, we actually have a, we're developing a mobile rendering scheme for all Stack Exchange sites, and you can actually test that. That's on, if you go to MetaStack Overflow question 96917, it'll describe how to turn that on and look at it and play with it. Uh, but we decided for the iPad that it's just a regular computer. Like, we're not doing, you know, it's 1024 by 768, and it'll probably be higher res in, two, you know, a year and a half. Um, we're not treat to us, it's just like, okay, this is a regular laptop that you're using. I mean, yeah, there's some touch things we have to be careful about, but in general, it just works. And that's yeah. an iOS device. And whereas when you when you come to us with an iPhone, we're like, whoa, 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 totally different rendering strategy, right? Because of the screen size. So it, already it's starting to happen. And the way that relates to us is in our Q&A base, um, Joel always had this vision, right or wrong. I don't think it was wrong. I think it's just a question <laughs> of how many... It's a question of how many entries you have. So we have almost 2 million questions in Stack Overflow that all need to be kept up to date. So the question is, like, who's going to do that? How's that going to work? Because, I mean, I I meant to do this before the call, and I didn't, but I I was wondering, like, how many articles are on Wikipedia? Because our footprint might be as big as Wikipedia now. If you consider every question, like, an artifact that someone needs to update and keep completely up to date, we might be as big as Wikipedia now, which is just, Uh, I mean, that's really... If you count answers... Because uh, Wikipedia is 3.6 million articles in English. Okay, but we're... Okay, still scary. We, Same you know, order In, in three years, we're half as big as Wikipedia. Yeah. If you think of every question as an article that has to be kept, kept up to date. But now, 90% of them are just like, I tried this and it didn't work. What did I do wrong? And then, and then well, somebody tells you. Well, to be fair, though, Wikipedia... Wikipedia articles, a lot of those are stubs or they're, you know, somebody has totally fudged this information. Could you please come back and provide some numbers or a chart or even a reference? Um, yeah. And uh, so, so you're saying there's a bunch of garbage on Wikipedia as well. That yeah, probably is what I'm saying. And half of no those articles are like characters from Saturday morning cartoon, cartoons. So if you eliminate <laughs> that. <laughs> That's probably true, actually. That's probably. I thought true. you meant they were writing um, them. Okay. Oh, yeah. that too. Right. Them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. As yeah. long as the, you know the Justin Bieber article is up to date and accurate, that's you know <laughs> that's ninety percent of traffic. So we're good. Uh, but the point is like, that's how what you would can you do keep in your free this... time? Exactly. Uh, so the question is, how would we keep this question up to date? Because this is about Objective C versus MonoTouch. It's three years old. I don't know if it's. I don't know enough to even know if it's up to date. Like I would have to go do work to figure this out. So. For me to do this makes no sense. Like, Rory might have the knowledge in his head. Like, if he saw this, you know, even as an anonymous user now, Rory, we have anonymous user editing, kind of like Wikipedia. So you could go into this question, you know, click it and just, you know, type in some stuff and um, uh, keep it up to date. But we're, we're kind of struggling a little bit with, with how we're going to get people to do that. Like, it, it seems like a lot of – one thing we've learned from allowing anonymous editing is that anonymous users do not edit. 
like that audience they're not that's not what they're there for they're not there to do work mm-hmm. this is the internet really they're there to feel. make other people feel bad <laughs> they're just there to absorb information for the most part and i don't really begrudge them that i mean that's you know that's fine you're looking at statistics you're saying a very very tiny percent of people will be motivated because this is so wrong you know that there's a great injustice in the world that i'm going to click edit and i'm going to fix this thing uh for the rest of the world well, we but we don't quite have enough of tiny, those yeah that's a tiny 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 number much tinier than we realized by like several orders of to, magnitude to be fair the the niche articles on wikipedia can stay wrong for a really really long time and um, that's all exactly. we have yeah one of my that's favorite things is like Every time there's a country at war and the airports are all closed, if you go look up that airport entry for that particular airport, it will give you a long list of airlines and destinations, and nobody will bother to mention that it's been closed for three years because of the war. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, that's an example of something that I – now that I've mentioned it, of course, somebody's going to go in and you fix those You read the news. Wikipedia. This is complicated. Yeah. <sighs> uh, so one, one thing we're looking at, Joel, to, to yeah. solve this, it's – sort of the same way we, we solve a lot of problems, which I, I wrote a blog entry about, you know, performance as a feature where when you have a free product and, you know, nobody's being paid or paying to use this, you know, why would they choose your product versus someone else's project product on the web? And one of the big answers, I think, is speed. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's faster for it to work, they will naturally prefer it because you're getting more information faster, you're figuring things out faster. It's just more convenient. Um, so with that in mind, which we, we do believe that, we're, we're switching to a model of, of inline editing. So rather than doing a post back and going to a separate page to edit a post, um, it's more of an inline edit type experience, which is a huge pain in the ass from a coding perspective, just wow. to be clear. But, but we are going to do it because we figure one of the steps to make editing more common is to make it faster. And like if fun. it was, well, yeah, it's, I don't know that I would call that fun. <laughs> but, it is fun. You know, it, asking it, it and is answering fun. is fun. Yeah. Editing, not, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I feel um, like um, the 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 best thing we could do here is to um, separate the act of editing from the act of finding the the bugs. So you basically have because what you see on Wikipedia is they have citation needed all over the place, and uh, there are kind of a lot of busybodies who are happy to litter the entire world with citation needed. And there's a s- substantially smaller number of people that are willing to go in and actually cite uh, and and clean those up. However. At least it's possible for you to capture information about what's wrong. So, what what I if we had something that was like flag this article as being out of date, and then we would just put up a little banner on the top of it saying somebody has indicated that this article might be out of date. Yeah, but every article is going to go out of date. No, but only when people see and they're like, you know what, this is an important recurring article, and I've noticed that it's out of date because you know it just is. And somebody needs to visit this. And then somewhere there could be a list of out-of-date articles, and uh, people could work on those. Notice I say people, right. hand-wavy. Now, we are looking at that. I mean, that's something I am thinking more about. I'm not – I think what you have to – the mental divide here is is Wikipedia versus us. You know, it would be like there was a Wikipedia of only the most obscure cartoon characters you've ever heard of. That would <laughs> well, that's Wikipedia. There's just not as many people Wikipedia. willing – <laughs> well, that is what, we, but yeah, but imagine only that. Like, imagine the Justin Bieber article stopped existing. I know this, there's a huge hole in your heart right now. But try to fill it in with all these extra cartoon characters. One thing, um, you know, one thing we may see, Jeff, because <clears throat> I'm working on this, is that some of the vendors, and by vendors I mean companies like, uh, let's say, Microsoft, for example, uh, and Apple, will start to feel like they have a responsibility to kind of 
keep an eye on on the stacks and make sure that the data there is at least accurate and people are getting answers. So um, certainly for smaller topics, and you're already seeing this. Like I think probably right now, you know that if if there was an error on anything under MongoDB, the Tengen guy, and you told the Tengen guys, they would just fix it. You know, they'd be happy to do that because there's you know what nine thousand Tengen questions for there. an open source project that might work, but for commercial stuff, we we have a lot of problems with uh, self promotion. This like is every uh, day. No, no, this block. is these are the tech support people for the company, and Tengen is a it's an open source product. But the, there's a company behind it that provides support, and there are people that are paid to sit there every day and provide support. And ultimately, it's in their interest to make sure that the information out there on the internet is accurate. Yeah, but it's kind of like the Wikipedia problem where I can't, you know, you can't you're trust not supposed them. to update your. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Oh, so come on. You wouldn't trust a developer well, I'm platform specialist not, from Microsoft to you're, you're an article about that. <laughs> you're, you're oversimplifying a tiny bit, which is that you often don't want the biased people to be making the changes. Um, necessarily, I'm not. It, we're a hybrid system, so it depends. I mean, yeah. there's a, we're a mixture of a number of things, which is where the problems come from, and also because on on say was was a there was a Wikipedia entry on the the cartoon character or the comic character Deadpool. Okay, this is not owned by any individual person. It doesn't mm-hmm. say written by Joe Smith. Whereas you go to Stack Overflow, this question that I'm looking at on my screen was written by this guy Red Filter, who has forty thousand rep, and this answer by Zoran Simic with two thousand rep. So you're not actually editing something that has no authorship. There's a there's this concept of collaborative, you know, working with another programmer. You know, mm-hmm. I go in, edit your code, you edit my code, we make it better. And programmers are cool with this, and it makes sense. But for a lot of average people, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't change what Zoran said here. You know, this is Zoran's post. He'll be pissed off if I go in and change what he said or add to it. Um, and mm-hmm. that's completely missing from Wikipedia. Now, we, you know, and there's a reason we have the reputation system. We intentionally mix these, what I call the oil and water of, you know, attribution versus, you know, the knowledge. Um, but that does put a barrier in front of people for just going in and just randomly editing stuff. Particularly, maybe that's where we're seeing the anonymous users getting freaked out. Well, I just point out that it's not as right as you often make it out to be. Mm-hmm. You have authority, though, in place to. Uh, it's almost like the early days of Google, where uh, PageRank was um, having to be established. So you have authority that's being established. And, uh, well, for example, and this is another way of helping to solve problems uh, that, that were being discussed earlier. Um, I feel like you guys took over and only got to talk for 90% of the podcast. So. Thank you, um, but uh, but no, I was I was I was going to throw in. I'm joking. I was going to throw in that uh, this is another situation where a fascism is part of the solution. You've got to. You, I think you have to not be so so nice, right? And I'm serious. No, no, no. If, if you look at believe the, me, if you, no. If, if, um, I know your, yeah, your private thoughts, of course, are screaming daggers uh, shooting out of your eyes. But but, but but you do sound very nice about it. Um, at the same time, where where Apple don't overestimate again, like, our niceness. Oh, trust. I'm, no, I've worked with this you is a really good person. point, Rory. And actually, to be honest with you, like we do do that. Like we we've, we've said, look, you know, like we've had to be dicks about being nice. Like I know that sounds <laughs> weird. It's like, but think about that. We're like, look, being nice is 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 part of the goal. I'm removing your comments because they were not nice. You know, they were just kind of rude. <laughs> yeah. And we got into like a huge argument about this on one of the sites. Like being dicks about being nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, you know, the idea that also that we suppress discussion, like we explicitly say, look, we don't want too much discussion because it's about solving problems, not, you know, having these fun conversations. And that pisses people off to no end. Every day, I was just on programmers and there's like three, if you go to meta programmers right now, there's like four posts calling for like the lynching of the moderators because they're closing (laughs) questions. 
that should really be allowed, you yeah. know. And although we patiently explain, look, you know, here's why it's not allowed. We have these reasons. You know, we're trying to protect the signal and noise. You know, they're like, you guys are total dicks. You know, and we're like, you know, we're not trying to be dicks about it. We explain to you why we do this and what the reason is. The answer is kind of that you're in the wrong place. If that's really what you want, you know, you, you don't want a car, you want a truck. Well, go to the truck dealership. Like, we cannot change this car into a truck. That doesn't work for us. But there's well, a very could, nice truck the dealership. Point, down the road. Right. Like, yeah, you, well, in, in, in accommodating people's wishes that are stupid, you end up with things. Uh, well, look at what happened to Microsoft Word over the years. Microsoft, <laughs> I love Microsoft, but the fact it's is they accommodated fine. far too many people's, uh, th th well, I don't think the ribbon would have had to be invented if it were fine. It's, I, I think oh. it's a great app. It has a lot more functionality than, say, Pages, and, and I'm an Apple nerd nowadays, but I still have Microsoft Word, and it's because sure. it can do quite a bit more than Pages. It's a great app, right. but by, like, when I was going out doing talks for Microsoft, I'd have customers walk up to me and literally say things like, you know, when I'm using Microsoft Word uh, uh, 96, there's, um, there's a pixel on the fourth screen of help that's red, and I, I'd like it to be blue. And that gets added to somebody's to-do list, and it gets yeah. done. And then, and then somebody a, else comes along. There's an and option is like, on page 14 of tools options to turn it on and off. Well, then you have to translate yeah. the pixel into 17 <laughs> different languages. You got to reboot. You got to reboot after that pixel color has been changed. And and, and, and it's it's insane, right? So yeah. on uh, on the on the various stack, you know, wh whatever you guys are calling your your fun little company here that, that I don't know, some people have heard of, whatever. Um, wh whatever it is, yeah. the technology pod. Let's just go with right, stack. Stack. The issue you get here is is when I first saw the comments that that comment system versus the answer system, I thought to myself, uh oh, because you get the you get kind of what we had in the early days of Slashdot and actually the always days of Slashdot, first comment, first post style things, right? People <laughs> are going in there to have their little wanky wars and beat each other by. Saying, I'm smarter than I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than the guy who asked the question. I'm smarter than the guy who answered it. Now, the way, you keep it, the way that you keep one of these things alive, right? Is somebody comes along and asks an intelligent question. You got to, as as somebody's going to reply, you actually have to go and find the intelligent version of the question, and then you have to put time into it. So I didn't answer a ton of questions on Stack Overflow, but the ones that I did answer. Um, got such high accolades from people that it's scary for me to log on now because the weight of all the medals on my chest That's drags right. me down. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, did it, wait, wait, remember, Joel, we did a test, and, side, and Rory yeah. factoring for number of posts has the highest vote per post ratio of any user on the site, like literally the highest. Yeah, why was that? Wait, I think it's serious? just because, A, he, he yeah. made very few posts, but the ones you did, people really liked. And that was actually true. We You're can not see that in uh, data.stackexchange, right? Somebody has that query. What was it? Um, we'll dig it up for the show notes. But there is, is some truth to that. You should come back, Stack Overflow misses you. Might be top oh. 500. Yeah, top 500 answers on the site uh, on data.stackexchange.com. And your average answer score is higher than anybody except for Ben Bangert. That's well, new. I'll kill him. And I don't want to say No, no, he's happy, right below you, actually. Sorry, you're, you're above him. I'm getting this wrong. You've got an live. average answer score of 30 point. Point eight six, and and, well, and why you, is that? No bad answers. You, much beloved. Much I, I will beloved. tell you why. This goes this goes back to how you keep the the information from going bad because that that's something we were discussing a while back, right? All information is eventually going to go bad, and I think that the reason that my answers worked out is a I can't shut up, so I'm willing to provide as much information as possible. B um, I learned from giving all the talks and from doing the writing and everything that. 
if you approach it um, from the point of view of, say, the Apple Dev perspective we were talking about earlier, where well, it's Objective-C and Objective-C only, the idea of a PHP programmer or of a Python programmer, somebody who only knows this one language rather than somebody mm -hmm. who considers his or herself a developer, mm -hmm. right? Very different thing here. There's, there's, a, mm -hmm. there's a huge difference between them. Well, when I provided the answers, I would compare, say, Monotouch, for example, not to just Apple stack, but I would compare it to multiple other stacks out there, and I would explain why uh, each of these stacks might have a problem and why it is that Monotouch is genuinely different, because that's what a lot of the questions were about. And yeah. so those posts are still relevant because they deal with concepts rather than technologies that are that will in concept uh, uh, remain, but in in terms of who survives, will come and go. These are what and, we consider to be sort of classic. Uh, Evergreen, not I don't want to say evergreen, but like canonical posts. Like there, there's a certain type of Stack Overflow question that gets about you know 20 views, and you know it solves someone's problem, but it's not you know important. And then there's the kind where somebody's asking, should I you know is Monotouch worth the cost, or should I just learn Objective C? And then and then you've got a, like a four page answer, which is you know an encyclopedia article on this subject, um, and uh, that's the kind of post that that you've written. We're we're running we're totally out of time here. I'm getting um, producer, a uh, substitute producer, Jason is 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 flagging me down that we've gone. He's going to tackle you soon. <laughs> he, he is, but it's been fun. <laughs> but uh, any any last minute announcements? Anyone, Rory? Where can people find you? I I try. I'm not going to send them to Rory.me because it's just a test post. There is right. the Neapolitan yeah, coming back. The Twitter feed. The he twitters I, I've every been on Twitter year. <laughs> That's true. I Twitter every once in a while. Um, I'm past the relationships with the big block. Not having a family. Um, Neapolitan, I'm going to try to get back online. Um, I just let that go because that's my past life, and I don't know if I want to resurrect it, honestly. Um, I, had, I want to start posting it. Yeah, it, it is, but there are also a lot of weird digests people have made out of it. They've actually typeset it. It's bizarre um, and flattering, <laughs> really, genuinely flattering. And uh, But Rory.me, I feel like, is, hey, this is where I'm you. starting again, and, and I get to leave all that history behind. And... Um, uh, so I really want to be doing things there. The problem is that uh, uh, I just, it's taken a while to get back into the idea of interacting with the community rather than with someone I want to start a family with. Believe it or not, that's taken, it's taken a huge shift because family's kind of a big deal and very emotionally upsetting. So, so I'm just now coming out of that. Okay, good. Well, right Worry about that. me is where things are going to be. So um, if, that is where things are going to end up. If anybody listening to this show wants to start a family with Rory in Portlandia. <laughs> just, just, would, just hop on highly, over there. I highly recommend it. So why don't you just get in touch with us and we'll put you in touch with Rory. And, There's yeah. a tweet out there where I said that and I got replies. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. But this is a broader, this is a broader scope. Listen, Let's do it to it. I'm ready to, I'm ready to have kids. No man can fit more words into a sentence than Rory does. Um, uh, Jeff, any last-minute uh, Stack Exchange announcements before we <laughs> shut this well-overripe podcast down? No, no. I'm the show sorry. notes will contain all the information, but I do recommend people test out our mobile style because that's getting pretty close to going out. So if you have any complaints you would like to register, although it's been pretty popular, let us know. Do that. You have been listening to the 11th episode of the Stack Exchange podcast um, brought to you by Stack Exchange Dev Days, Stack Overflow Dev Days. Um, we've been saying the dates wrong. Uh, whatever um the, it turns out the date in in washington is is off by one so here's the real date san francisco october 12th and 13th hey maybe rory will speak at dev days maybe right. maybe he'll speak yeah. to tell dev days 
<laughs> Sydney, uh, Sydney, Australia, 25 to 26 Australia, London, 14th and 15th of November, and Washington, December 15th and 16th. If you come in San Francisco, there's a scalability conference right after it, sponsored by our friends at ServerFault. Uh, if you c- come in Washington the day before, there's a hackathon including all of the Stack Overflow developers, including Young Punyon here. And uh, you'll be able to hack with them together the day before the Washington event. The hackathon is free, um, but it's an add-on, so make sure you're, when you register you say that you want to go to that. Um, that every is, bug uh, we find, and every bug we find, I'm going to punch Jason Punyon in the arm. So <laughs> there's another reason to come. Oh, boy. Uh, and that is Dev Days. Um, what else should we... Uh, promote to them i'm out of things to promote so um yay that's it see i don't know who our guest is next oh next week there will be no podcast because there's a board board of directors meeting um so the next podcast is in two weeks uh until then uh have a happy uh fourth of july um for those of you that are canadian i understand that you have canadian fourth of july uh or something whatever it's called and uh canadian okay Uh, Goodbye. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.